Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. 
Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Doing a little outro here, man, the ginger bow hunter himself. Jacob, how are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well, man. Back Talking. in back in warmer Alabama, anything's well. Yeah, dude. Yeah, been, been doing a little hunting off a pontoon boat, uh, which some some folks that found interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, first, we'll talk about old BJ's episode. What'd you think? No, BJ Golden. Uh, dude, it was, it was interesting. Again, just having somebody that takes their perspective of not really wanting to focus so much on trying to kill a buck down the rut, but then to try to use what they learned during the rut of like location of a buck kind of, you know, sticking to, uh, and then going in there and killing him post rut is super interesting. I mean, I mean, hunting all the way through, you know, January doing that in the area that has a November rut, I found super interesting. Also the idea of how he would look at doing observation sits in again, in November to try to figure out where is like a buck spending his time in an area that's got a lot of high pressure and then going in there and killing him was just, it's fascinating, dude. Yeah, it is interesting, especially for you talk to some guys who are like the who are really after some big bucks, and they kind of some of them don't like the rut because it's hard to target that specific buck. So I kind of get that vibe from him too, where he kind of likes that post rut time frame where he can uh, settle down and actually target something, yeah, go that, in there and find it and then hunt it with a purpose. That, but also he talks about you know just how high pressure you know this public land is, and you know everybody and their mama wants to hunt during november but you know come december not many people want to be in the woods especially you know come archery season because you know all those guys are going out there you know they might have either drawn a i don't know if he was hunting on a place that it's a yet the draw for a firearm tag there or not um but you know yet your firearm pressure during november in arkansas which is their part of their gun season and then that fades out and not many guys are just want to go out there you know late season at least in their perspective of you know try bow hunt uh so it's like yeah you can find some deer that are you know, they're pressured and they're in their little pockets, but you're not having to deal with as many hunters out there, which is pretty impressive. Um, that's something, again, we, we talked a little bit about this kind of in the episode, but really I was thinking about it more so for the outro. It's like, you know, a lot of places we hunt in Alabama, we're hunting kind of the early season time span. And then the second the rut hits, it's like we're bouncing from piece of public to piece of public during the rut. And we're not really necessarily sitting in one spot hunting what you'd call like late season hunting where you're hunting just, you know, the destination food source somewhere in that cover, um, kind of like what BJ is talking about, like finding those oak trees, like in and around those thickets, dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Especially when he's talking about like, if you can find like his, his ideal setup is find that little knoll, that little ridge, that little, little knoll right between two thickets on each side of it. And if you find that knoll, the knoll, it's got those, you know, red oaks dropping. Man, you got You're yourself, in good shape. You got yourself a hot little ticket right there. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about it for around here. Cause like you said, we don't really target uh post rut stuff around here very much. Cause we kind of move on, but we got this place right down the road that we hunt that is post rut right now um past the past the main rut past secondary rut and you've got that big deer on camera out there and i was kind of thinking about it um and I, I might go out there like one more time this year to go check it out i'm planning on really getting out there a whole bunch in february and doing a lot of scouting but you know i mean it his idea of you know targeting that buck he's like well if you find them in a certain area they tend to kind of stick in there after the rut well, he was in there late rut, uh, and he seemed to have been sticking around um, that big 11 point we had on camera. And that's the kind of place where I could definitely see one hanging out. And I was kind of thinking back on when I went through that thicket. Mm-hmm. 
and you get into parts of it and there's like little uh, water oaks growing in there that are like real brushy. I don't think they produce this year, but in those same areas, you have like a bunch of green briar and honeysuckle and like green viney stuff that was still green back in late December when I was in there. So the problem is, I bet he's in there. I yeah. mean, hell, he's in there. It's just getting in there and killing it. Well, that's the problem is, is finding the destination food source. Like, what is that one thing they're going to? And if it's just a bunch of browse, you can't do that with browse. I mean, mm-hmm. um, let's see, who was it? Who was it? Um, we just interviewed somebody and he talked about that. Like, you can't pattern browse uh, feeding. Was it Warren? Warren, yep. Yeah. How do you say Warren's last name correctly? It's not Womack. 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 See, I say Womack, but Everyone Womack. says Womack. Everybody says Womack. That's why I asked him before we got started. I was like, how do you say it's it? Like Womack. Yeah, yeah, but so, but Warren, that's what he talked a lot about. He's like, you know, if it's on, if they're on just browse, it's super, super tough because there's browse in a lot of places. And even when you find like isolated browse, like say it's like a, you know, a honeysuckle patch or something like that, it's still normally big enough. They could be 60 yards from you on the other side of it. And you just can't see him. Well, yeah, or even in these areas, I mean, he could be 30 yards from you, but he's on the other side of a wall of vegetation because it's so thick in there, you know? So uh, that's kind of how that spot sets up. But, you know, I'm going to go in there and figure out a way to hunt it in the off season. Yeah, but that's probably one thing. Like, when it comes to, like, BJ's episode, you know, it's nice when you find somebody like that in the South that does hunt, you know, some of this post-rut, you know, later season kind of style for, for bigger bucks. Just because I think that's the one disconnect we may have with that style of hunting is we just don't do it. We just don't do it. And like we've had a lot of listeners like reach out like, man, I wish I would do some some post rut or late season hunting tactics. And I'm like, you know, I kind of feel bad for guys that don't have situations like us where we live in a state where we can travel and continue to hunt, you know, more and more kind of, you know, rutting activities of, of deer. Um, because the, the, the tactics are totally different. I mean, you go from like, you go from like during the rut, you're trying to target your does and your travel corridors mm-hmm. to then now I'm trying to find a specific buck or maybe a bachelor group's getting back together. If it's in some States like that, where again, you truly get these bachelor groups stuck back together and you're trying to find what's the hot food source they're going to be hitting. And you're trying to put yourself in between them, and that food source and try to kill them. Yeah. I can't relate with that. Again, when I was in Iowa, it felt weird. <laughs> you're like they're not doing anything they're just eating and oh, trying not to die yeah they're like literally laying down or like in their like core little bedding area until i mean some situations last 20 minutes of light and then you're trying to catch them slipping coming to that whatever the food source is which in our case is cut corn or, or beans um but again down here i don't have that yeah. you know it, it isn't and also it doesn't get cold enough down here and harsh enough where it kills a lot of that browse yeah. To really push them to like a super, super defined um, food source. But I'll say this, flip side, not to try to go too far down that rabbit hole, talking about like having harsh winters. Like Arkansas isn't far enough north. They really have super harsh winters. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I know guys up there talk about like the same thing down here. One day it's 70, next day it's 10 degrees, and the next day it's 82. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it yeah. really never gets harsh enough where like everything, like it's literally nothing but woody brows for them. But also in any area, if you can find oaks still dropping, like where I was at this past week, mm-hmm. this past weekend, yeah. there's water oaks everywhere dude, and water they're oaks? all dropping. And oh. I'm like, dude, it, it would be like, if you're trying to hunt food right now down there, mm-hmm. it would be like trying to hunt, I mean, early season, like in places where there's oaks dropping everywhere. I mean, you could hunt feed trees down there for sure, but dude, it would be crazy just how many trees you'd have the to The water past. oaks time to shine is right now. Well, also, it's an area that has a lot more water oaks. Like, dude, most of the time where we're at, like, you'll find a couple. There'll be like a patch of them. It was like a lot of water oaks, and 
some sycamores and I don't know the other tree. There's another big, maybe it might have been sweet gum, like really big sweet gum. The only three trees that exist here are gum, oaks, sycamores, and sweet gum. We were in Tennessee. We were in Tennessee on the velvet hunt. He's like, man, there's sweet gums all over the place up there. Like, that's sweet gum. No, I get up there. And uh, it's a sycamore. Everything you've been calling a sweet gum was a sycamore. And then after I told you that, everything became a sycamore. <laughs> it's an educated guess or oh. not so educated guess. <laughs> there are a lot of sycamores down there, so you might be right. Mm, I'll give you credit. Yeah, no, they had the big old, yeah, no, they had, they had the super slick bark. Have you ever climbed a sycamore, like with not a climber, but like with uh, sticks or? Uh, maybe, actually. Man. It's kind not of, great. It's kind of sketchy. Yeah, not but, great. Or like if you're using got the, it, got the white bark, you know, there's no bark kind of peels off. Yeah, but it's just like this is, yeah, it's just like slick. I, like it's like oh man. Right, yeah, it's probably a sycamore. It's probably a sycamore. I, if there's I, another I, tree that looks like a sycamore, I want to know what it is. I don't know. No, but but no, but anyways, um, it, yeah. <laughs> there was one place I was walking through. I don't, I don't know what they were. They weren't they weren't warks or anything like that. Um, but again, I, I would have swore they were just. They might not have been sweet gums. I thought they were. Oh, okay. They were huge, like m- monstrous. Like when I say monstrous, they're, they're like, you know, take two guys, eat your arms around them, mm-hmm. but you're walking through and it's like wide open. And all of a sudden you just come right to a thicket and you're like, oh man, this is sweet. Like, there they are. This is sweet. Like, oh, okay. This, I like this kind of, this kind of water stuff. Yeah, dude. So, hey, uh, before we get moved on, I want to talk about that. I'm, I'm excited to talk about your hunt. Um, what? I was going to talk a lot about it, man, but okay. All right. You I, we're getting to it. We're uh-huh, getting to uh-huh. it. I'll say uh, anything, around here. Anything else on BJ's episode, by the way? When it comes to late season post rut, yep. around here, we don't get harsh winters or anything. We were kind of talking about in our area, we're more up on stuff. It's kind of kind of hilly terrain, um, pine country, and we don't have a whole lot of water oaks. You'll find them in patches down on creek bottoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a couple trees. Or, or they're randomly in a little cutover. Like you'll see, find like Yeah, there's just one. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like that got to be a wood duck dropped, dropped an acorn out here. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, you never know. Um, if you can find those, they're great. But, dude, I'll tell you what. I've been saying it for years. Out, out there um, on freaking food plots this time of year, did those deer get after some food plots yeah i've seen i mean i'm talking like big bucks on food plots during the daylight this time of year so that's just a, a tip for people you know if your area is kind of like that especially if you don't have a lot of late season food sources like that they will hit food plots yeah especially if it's uh public land because everybody hunts that, that's one listen, thing bj said that it's, it, maybe it's different where he's at where he was like stay away from the food plots you know well I'll, I'll, I'll say this maybe some of those Super upper echelon bucks that he's trying to target. Yeah, probably not. Don't, aren't going to buy them. But if you're looking for like a decent deer, <laughs> if you're shooting an Andrew buck, yeah. <laughs> don't be afraid to shoot it to, to set a food plot. But uh, listen, but it's also you're talking like really late into the year, like l- late into the season, like you're over a month past the rut, and there are. I, I have a question. Do you think that the food plots truly get as much pressure as people always assume they do? No, I don't think so. Either. Not at all. I think I think everybody seems like everybody's sitting food plots. I don't think many people do. <laughs> I think very few people sit food plots, dude. And plus, when it's post rut, you know, speaking on this WMA out here, yeah. I mean, these deer haven't been hunted hard since Christmas, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had a good two weeks off, two three weeks off now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably starting to act like deer again. I, but that is something I just thought about. Like, I think 
everybody assumes like on public land, everybody's hunting these food plots. And I just, I now, I, th- I feel I, like that has been the case everywhere I've ever gone. No, dude. But I think this, I think it's everybody, it's everybody's like, I don't know if I want to talk about this. Hey, I'll now, tell you what, where, where you hunted this weekend? Yeah, yeah. I've hunted a food plot there. Yeah. And saw a bunch of deer. The power line? That, and then that morning, I, I walked by some food plots, too, when I was still hunting, and I saw deer. You had food plots? Dude, I, all I had were, when you and me hunted down there, it was freaking, like, sloughs and crap. <laughs> I was in the water. You see, that morning, I walked past a bunch of food plots and yeah. ended up in, like, a slough and saw some does. Yeah. And then that afternoon, I walked to a power line and watched a food plot did on we the stay, power line. Did we stay out there all day, like, when we took the yep. boat? Did we really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, see, I met up with you at lunchtime, and then... What did we do? All I remember is the after. I remember the morning going across. I remember the afternoon. You were late getting up there. I was waiting on you. Uh, and, the, just, and the motor wouldn't start. And yeah, and the motor because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> motor wouldn't start. And then I was waiting on you, and you made it up there around lunchtime. We crossed the slough, and then I I walked way back to that power line, mm-hmm. and we saw like eighteen deer or something on that. I mean, you did. You, you did. I saw. I think I saw one deer the whole yeah, day. Yeah, you saw like a spike. It, it was like a little. No, it was a little <laughs> five point. I think he was. Le- yeah, he was legal, and I missed a big buck. So he big said buck. it was big. Yeah, it might have been small. I don't know. Oh, no, I misjudged the yardage by about 200 yards. Oh, I thought you like 200. No. I thought it was like, I thought he was like 250. I can't remember. Yeah, I thought probably you said a two, podcast. No, from no, back no then. you did. Because I just, I, I was telling Wes about this. I thought you said it was like, you thought it was 250, but after you walked it off, you did It was see, like 600. Yeah, you're like, he was like five something. Yeah, or, yeah, farther. Yeah. There was like three invisible th- th- that's, depressions. Th- this is how us. blind Andrew is, everybody. That's why his <laughs> glasses are as thick as your scope, okay? Yeah, they pretty much are, no. actually. I'm blind. <laughs> oh, man. But, Without uh, my glasses, I have a sight picture or like a sight line of about two and a half inches it's yeah. about how far i can see and then also andrew does not ever andrew's notorious no matter where he's hunting like never has a range finder <laughs> so he's like he's guesstimating everything and his guesstimations are way hey, off about, about 250 <laughs> no, remember we were one spot we were on a bow hunt uh in october and we were all sitting around the truck oh, next God. to a little field and yeah. like, man look at that that red oak was dropping you're like man, man that looks like that looks like what did you say? You I, saw, I thought it was 40. You said it was 60. I was like, that's 60. Yeah, something. I think Ranger is like 62. Yeah, I was, like, yeah I was wrong. Andrew would, put, Andrew, would put that, <laughs> Andrew would have put that arrow literally like four feet in front of the deer. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh so anyways, food plots. Oh, yeah. Dude, just, I feel like, dude, I feel like they're good, dude. No, I, I, I do. Like that's the one thing I, I almost was like, I don't know if we should talk about this. I'm not saying like necessarily I'd go hunt a food plot, which. You know, maybe I, I mean, Dude, if I'm going, to, if I wanted, if you told me, to shoot a doe. if you said, Andrew, you have to shoot a doe on a management area tomorrow, or I'm going to burn down your house, I'd go set a food plot out there tomorrow. Yep. That's a good one. I bet you I'd kill one or I see one at least. Well, also, one thing I, I thought about with the food plots, it might would be worth, especially like just after the, the rut has happened, move trail cameras in strategic areas around food plots. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But like trying to get elevated, like in case somebody walks through, they don't take your camera uh, or mess with your stuff. Yeah. But I, I really, I think you could, I think you could find some cool stuff around a little inventory. Yeah, absolutely. But again, like everybody I've ever seen, like I've vision, like this year, I hunted a spot where I could see across and see another food plot, uh, and I literally watched hunters that morning come in, walk past the food plot, drop off the backside of the ridge, and went down some little hell hole. Um, <coughs> and you know, I was like, I'm like, I, I really don't think many people ever hunt food plots no there now i'll say there's probably there's probably like a couple food plots they get hammered they get hammered and like because out there the, yeah, we're talking about there, there's some that there, they there's, get hunted. There, there's a couple i know of that do get and, and i'm one of the people that hunts one of them or i used to a lot and but i always i saw deer on it all the mm-hmm. time i always killed a nice buck on it oh. when you let me borrow that hammock mm-hmm. seat you remember mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. heartbreaker 
heartbreaker. Yeah, stupidity. Big is buck in the was. lap. Was it a buck? It was a buck. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nice buck. It was a good one. Mm. Yeah. So dang. But yeah, old old late season food plots. But yeah, we're just back to it. Yeah, food plots on public land. Do late season definitely something that. Yeah, because BJ was pretty down on them. Well, I, again, I think if you're trying to kill a big buck, I don't think you're gonna kill a big buck on it. You might. You might. Yeah, but yeah. I think like if you're just trying to kill like a maybe like a three and a half year old like a like a nice like a real like a nice a nice like a good buck if you're just a trying good, to kill a buck a good, most people would be a, happy with a good rack buck a good rack a good buck. if you're trying to kill a good rack buck I think you could do it on a food plot uh, later in the season um, after the pressure's died down you know because the deer are definitely hitting them uh, or if you're just if you're trying to go shoot some does they do if, especially mm-hmm. if I had a kid with me. And I had like a kid was hunting with a crossbow, like a young kid or something. I'd go set a food plot in a heartbeat right now and try to, like yeah. you said, it was shoot a doe or something. That's hey. what I, I ran into a guy uh, that was um, out there. I almost said the name of it. <laughs> I ran into a dude that was out there on the youth hunt and he had a son with him. Mm-hmm. And I was just pulling cameras that day. And uh, we talked for a long time and he was, he was asking like all kinds of advice. I talked to him for like two hours. Tell us in the podcast. I did. <laughs> I gave him a card. And, uh, we were we were talking about like well, where they should set up. I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? And um, he was just trying to kill a deer, I think, if I remember right. And I and I told him this. I was like, dude, honestly, I would either I would do two things. If I'm just which we get, we've gotten requests of people who were like, can you guys just do an episode on how to kill a deer, like shoot a doe or something? Um, here's my best advice for like I don't know most of the places I've hunted is if you just want to kill a deer, whether it be like a Small buck, a legal big buck, there's a legal deer. doe, whatever yeah. comes by, yeah. is to either go and watch a gas line and like watch a long swath of gas line, and then maybe if one comes out in range, you can shoot it. Or are if you, you see where they're crossing, are we talking gun hunting or bow hunting here? Because no, I'm talking gun hunting. Okay, is if you see them cross, I mean, you can do a bow hunting too. I'm almost, um, or I did kill a buck doing this, but watch that gas line, watch where they're crossing, and then move in on them if need be. Um, that's one way, or just go and start hitting a bunch of food plots. Just walk. All you have to do is walk out in the food plot and see how many tracks are in it. Like if it's just beat down, then hunt it. Yeah. And it's all there is to it. Uh, you know, I'll say this, you know, some of it's, you know, of course, nighttime sign. There's a, there's a lot of ways to kill a deer, but definitely I think you could, you could see some deer like that for sure. Um, but yeah, dude, and that's also something just on a side note before we keep talking about some of these hunts and stuff. Um, yeah, some people just get overwhelmed because like, we, we talk a lot about with guys that are just consistently killing really nice bucks. But some people, like, they don't want to kill, they don't necessarily, like, if they kill a big buck, that's great, but they're just trying to kill a deer. And I'm, like, coming from that perspective back when I was, like, especially, like, starting college and just out of high school, started hunting public land, I just wanted to kill a doe. And it was tough. Yeah, dude, back then, I just wanted to see it. And, uh, and the thing is, a lot of guys are like, oh, man, it'd be easy. I can kill a doe, no problem. Well, you might, but there's a lot of people that just, they can't. Like they just don't know. Like they, just, yeah. they don't have the experience, especially if you're hunting public land, or even if you're hunting private land, and it's not an area where you have you know great access to, um, say like some great food plots or something like that, where it's easy to like, get into and shoot with a rifle. I'm talking especially if you're bow hunting. Yeah. Um, it can be a challenge. It really can. And I mean, I know guys have gone you know multiple years not even killing a doe, and just for whatever reason, you know, just you know they had tough hunting conditions or whatever. So it, it's not as easy for everybody. You know, you might be listening to podcasts. You might kill you know 10, 15 deer a year. And I know guys that do that. You know, kill a bunch of does and uh, like sit like Alabama, you kill a doe day. Or you're in Tennessee, some regions of Tennessee, you kill three does a day for the whole season, which is crazy. But hey. They get the deer population. Uh, so the, I know guys that kill a ton of deer, but there's other people getting that listen. They're like, man, I'm just trying to get my first deer. 
I don't care what it is. Like I had one listener, he reached out. He killed his first deer, and it was a, uh, I think it was a spike. And he was, he was talking. He sent a message to me like how much it meant to him mm-hmm. that he killed his deer, and because it was just so hard, and he hunted for a couple of years and just couldn't. Like I think it was the first deer he actually saw was that spike, and he finally killed it. Yep. Like and he got yeah, hard hunted for I think like a year and a half or something like that. Oh, dude, dude I can relate. My first public land deer, my first archery deer was a spike, mm-hmm. and I was I think I was more fired up about that deer than probably the last buck I shot. If I'm being honest, dude, my. It, my first one was that one that you were with. Well, you were down the yep. down the pipeline or whatever gas line, whatever yep. or power line, and my brothers were there too and shot that buck and came. I think it was a five point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude. I think they were somewhere at the house. I don't know where. I don't know. Uh, anyways, but like shot that deer and I was like, oh my god, it, it was the craziest. Kind of fired that, up. That, that, that deer could have been two hundred inches, bro. Because <laughs> like dude, shot him, dude, yep. shot him at like twenty two yards, quartering two, big mechanical broadhead, and he didn't make it thirty yards, and it was a. Oh, blood yeah. trail like nobody's been. And I saw, and the the, cra- the cool thing, especially as a, a newer bow hunter, just someone that doesn't have a lot of experience, when you can shoot a deer like that and you watch that deer run 30, 40 yards and he starts wobbling and going down. Oh, dude, that is, I mean, everybody gets, I still, I still get excited about that. But like, especially when it's like your, one of your first deer and you've done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, you get so excited. Yeah, dude, never get that feeling again. Nah. Well, no, I mean, listen. No feeling like a, not, I mean, I'm not saying you don't get pumped up, but like that first deer feeling. Mm-hmm. Or you get your first one, well, especially like again that that first archery deer, and like that one, that was the first one on public land, and it was a little buck and did that was just, it was the coolest thing. And then also because you, all you guys were there, my brothers were down one side. Of, y'all know where you, I don't know where you were at. You were somewhere out there, <laughs> and we were just like oh hunting, dude. It was that was a blast. That was a good time. Yep. I think your brother saw a big buck that morning, did? Yeah, way did. down the power line. Yeah, and it like was walking down. I think it was, they said it was walking towards me. I'm like, well, if it was the one I shot, that definitely wasn't man the one they were describing. Have you looked at that area on the map lately? I'm talking Try about not to. Primo. Well, we'll talk about worth, it later. Worth looking at. Talk about For that. sure. Worth looking at. Anyways. Um, you just need to buy it. It's for sale. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, anyways. But um, um, you got a couple mil laying around? Ah, we got some investors. <laughs> Somebody's listening to the podcast that wants to Anybody got a couple property. mil laying around? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got some property. Um, all right. But no, back to. Oh, you are right. It would be a couple mil. Easily. Oh, wow. Easily, yeah, yeah. I don't get that. So outdoorsman, we don't have that kind of money. So no, no, we don't. But anyways, but back to this. uh, How did we get sidetracked? I don't know. But let's talk about uh, some hunts coming up. So we got one that we're leaving for tomorrow. Uh, When this episode comes out, it will be. Oh, I'll be gone. You'll probably. I think I'll head down after work tomorrow. Yeah, get the old Airbnb, man. Yep. This gonna be. Hey, listen, we ain't gotta sleep at the uh, at the old. uh, Dollar General in the suites. So uh, that'll be nice. Yeah, we're going at style this time. Yeah. Style. So we'll we'll talk about that one in a second. Um, before you went hunting with Wes. I haven't been hunting. I mean, I took Moon out for half a day the other day, but I helped a dude track a spike. <laughs> did y'all were, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, that was that was fun. Uh stomped around the swamp a good bit. It was, it was it was a good time, but I haven't I really haven't been out since like Christmas. Like I just haven't had time. Mm-hmm. So uh you went on a really cool hunt, though. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So when we got back from uh, <coughs> got back from Louisville from ATA, and a couple of days later, we got back on a Sunday, and I think it was like Tuesday. Wes texted me. He said, "Hey, you want to come down and hunt uh, this weekend? Like we'll be hunting. I think was, he, I think they were going to be down there like Friday through Sunday." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I'm like I can come down, but um, I'll probably just come down, you know, Saturday or come down Friday night and then hunt with you guys, you know, Saturday or Sunday." <clears throat> Well, did it drove down, and man, they've got the freaking best setup, dude. They're, dude, Wes's buddy uh, Scott, which actually Scott, I want to have on the podcast. 
Wes says he's quiet. Every time I've been around, he talks because he sat in my truck that one morning. Yeah, yeah I remember Scott. He, dude, he sat in the truck with me for an hour and a half, and we talked, dude. I mean, it, dude, he's a he's a killer. He's yeah. he's a killer. Um, but <laughs> he's a funny <laughs> dude too. But anyways, I want to have him on because he was actually the one that got Wes into hunting, like because they both went to college and played football together at Auburn or at, at uh, Jacksonville State. What about to say, Wes went to <clears throat> Auburn. Yeah, mm-hmm. he went to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. So, War Eagle West. Well, he's, he's an Auburn fan. I know he's an yeah. Auburn fan. I didn't yeah. know he went to Auburn. Yeah, but anyway, so they played ball at uh, Jacksonville State, and I think they both transferred down to Auburn. And I think what they played a little bit down there. Um, but anyways, but Scott was the one that got West into hunting, and West has got. I don't want. I, I ain't gonna say this over, but he's got a hilarious story. The first time he ever went hunting, <laughs> and he mistaked a certain animal for something else, and it is the funniest <laughs> freaking thing. But oh, anyways, I gotta hear this. No, well, anyways, uh, next time we're with him. Yeah, but it, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to have him on. But Scott, that, so down there, uh, Scott has a, like a second house that they let like all the guys stay at, and dude, it's not. I mean, it's. For a hunting camp, it's freaking legit, dude. And anyways, we all, you know had our own bedroom and everything, the whole nine yards. Like, man, this is this is like the way to do it, dude. There ain't, ain't no camping. But anyways, we were hunting out there, hunting out of boats. <clears throat> and uh, anyways, got everything set up. Got over uh, Friday night. We're hanging out, and then uh, Saturday morning, like, hey, you know, we got to get up, you know, pretty early, and get a head start because uh, hunting some public land, um, and you know, we wanted to beat anybody out, you know, to the spots because uh, we were all hunting in a general area, but we had a drop off me and brock uh, had to be dropped off in the one spot that we were going to walk in and split off and then Wes was going to go down a little bit farther <clears throat> but uh anyways we do woke up everything loaded up in the boat and, and the I, pontoon well, I know, boat well Wes, he's like he's like yeah i got my pontoon boat down here and he's got a couple different boats and so does scott i mean scott's got one of the coolest boats. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old police boat from like the 70s or 80s oh that's cool. dude it looks it's like an old state trooper boat like that's what it is yeah and uh Dude, it's freaking sweet. He's got the he's got the metal cab and everything on it, and dude, he's got like a sixty horsepower outboard, and the thing's only seventeen feet long. About that thing will boogie. It rips, dude. <laughs> rips, but uh, like it's it's fast. Um, but anyways, so he's like, Wes is like, oh yeah, I got this pontoon boat and everything, and I'm thinking like this is like you know like an older like kind of worn out pontoon boat and got rigged up for hunting. Then we get down there, and I'm like, dude, this is like too nice to hunt out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a nice pontoon boat. And uh, we grew up uh, on uh, Lake Martin down in uh, South Al, or I guess southeastern Alabama or eastern Alabama. Uh, growing up, and my grandparents always had pontoon boats, so I was you know really familiar with them. But I'm like, I never thought about hunting out of one. I'm thinking like genius. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like, man, you got to be running like a some kind of aluminum boat, like modified bee hole, like a you know bass boat, uh, this you know like 15, 16, 17 foot long boat, you know 25 horsepower, bigger on it, you know running this bigger open water. And dude, he pulls up and he, you know, he's got this pontoon boat. It's got a hundred, it's got a, a 115 Mercury on the back outboard and uh, like 22 foot long. We get on, get all of our gear loaded on it. And I start like, I sit down and I'm like, I'm digging this thing, dude. Got plenty of room on it, dude. Great sitting. Ain't, ain't a bad seat in the house. Was that, was it a lot like a uh, Poindexter's pontoon boat? Uh, I'm trying to remember what his was like. It's similar. Yeah, similar. That thing's comfy. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just in general. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you get bench seating on the on the front side, front left and uh, or, uh, port and starboard side. Same thing in the back. Uh, plenty of seating, but had plenty, had great storage because we all had to, you had to have your gun in a case. So like legally on the water, you had, it had to be cased. You can't have like just a gun out. So I had to have that. And then we all had tree stands uh, and all of our setups with us. So, you know, you had all that gear on there, but there's plenty of room still to walk around. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. But anyways, this is when it was eye opening. We're driving out there, dude. It's nice and smooth. And, you know, there's, you know, there's other boat traffic on barges and everything. And we're going over to the spot. 
It was a pretty good trip. I think we were in the boat for quite a while. Uh, but we come up and it's a cut bank. Okay. And, you know, cut bank on, on the water and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm thinking like I've had experience like in kayaks and, and other like in like aluminum boat stuff. You pull it to a cut bank, you're stepping out of a lower, you're, you're stepping out like at water level trying to get up on a cut bank to go up it. Well, a pontoon boat, you're sitting, you know, the, the platform, the deck is probably two and a half feet off the water. So when you come in, you're that much higher off the water and you just step up over the top of the cut bank with the water high and everything and you don't have to crawl up it dude i'm like this is the ticket man game changer i'm like this is the ticket son <laughs> dude, this is how, how easy you just put that for you put the freaking boat pontoons come up hit the come up on the bank dude get your gear out step out and you're literally stepping straight off onto the ground instead of stepping up out of the boat you know up on something higher uh it was awesome dude but yeah i got all the gear loaded up and sat there and well we had to sit there at the spot because what wes was telling us I bet you this guy probably don't even listen to the podcast. But there's a guy who uh, has been hunting down there for a, a quite a while, uh, like Wes and them. And suppose they all kind of hunt the same spots. He's like, listen, we got to get there early. I'm dropping you guys off, and y'all got to stay at the waterline until almost daylight. Beat that guy in and then make sure he doesn't come in on you. Yeah. Because like, if we walk in, he was dropping off like an hour before daylight, hour and a half before daylight. He's like, if y'all walk in before like gray light, there's a good chance someone's going to drop off. You know, someone's going to drop somebody off right on top of you and they're going to walk in on top of you too. So you just have a busted hunt that morning. So he's like, just wait until like gray light. If nobody shows, then like slip in like to your spot. So how much pressure is, is here? I mean, is this place, is there like a ton of dudes using boats to access this? I mean, I probably would say so. I mean, I, I, I didn't, we didn't see, I don't know. I saw some fishermen, Saw a couple hunters, like boats and stuff, but I mean, I see like it wasn't like the freaking Cajun, you know, Navy or anything down there. Yeah. And guys are just like rolling around. Um, but I mean, it's get, it gets some pressure. You know, got duck hunters, got the whole nine yards. Man, some duck hunters, I don't know if they were sky blasting or what, but they were having a grand old time. A lot of shooting. A couple of them, I was like, I heard some shots and I was like, looking at my watch, I'm like, hmm, hope there ain't no game worn out here, man. It was, like, <laughs> it was early, dude. It was early, man. Oh, yeah. A couple of volleys, probably some wood ducks come flying in, you know, Mach 6. Landed the decoys five minutes before light. They just couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, anyway, uh, so we, we were, me and Brock sat there and we we're just waiting, dude. Just waiting. Because, like, I, I wanted to get in, but I was like, I, I understand. Because the problem is, if you're hunting with boats or even like with trucks, if you drop a hunter off and you got to walk to the woods with a truck or boat, whatever. There's nothing that tells other hunters that someone's there. So it's not necessarily their fault that they walk in on you because there's no evidence of you being there. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this is what I did. Had a big old, you know, Alabama, you got to have, you know, orange hat. Well, I'll get some orange vest. So I'm like, I took an orange vest and we marked right where we got dropped off at, which is the only drop off spot in that little area. Put the orange vest up on a tree, overhanging branch, just like, hey, if a hunter comes by, he sees blaze orange. You know, hopefully he can put two, two together if the hunter's yeah. been dropped off there. And I feel like that worked. But, anyways, we had like one boat come by us pretty early they had a couple hunters but they flew by us they were they were they weren't they were late yeah they, well, they, well it was still no they were dark it was still dark they had plenty of time mm-hmm. uh, i'm telling you we got out there early like we were sitting there at like f- just before five o'clock like sitting on dry land waiting for daylight oh, no. uh so and it was like six something by the time that was there finally gray light hit i was like i'm like bro let's let's go let's go slipping in so we did start slipping through and i was thinking because I, I had a decent little walk. Uh, to, hey, to provide some backstory, this is where Wes shot that record boat buck, right? Yeah. It's not like same area for context. Yeah. And um, we were slipping in, and um, I was 
I was it was running through my mind. Maybe I should just sit still and not move because it was kind of open stuff I had to walk through, uh, like big again big mature timber. And I'm like, maybe I should just like sit here until like after gray light and like until I can see really really good and then keep walking in. I'm like, nah. That's the thing about gray light. You you can't see very good, but they can see really good. It's easy for them to bust you. Yeah, I was like, nah. I'm like, I'll keep walking, dude. Second that thought went through my head, I didn't make it another twenty yards. And I'm going slow, like just kind of methodically going through. The, it's a lot of leaf cover on the ground, and I hear, <laughs> and I'm like, son of a, I'm like, damn it, <laughs> and it was right in front of me. I was kind of coming across past this thick, this thick stuff, and out in front of me, it's probably 40, 50 yards in front of me. Uh, it was just blowing. I could not see. Like again, couldn't see it. It could see me, and the wind was perfect. Wind's blowing back towards the water and everything, so the wind was perfect. It couldn't smell me, but it clearly heard me and saw me. And it blew, and then it, like it took off and went back into some of the thick stuff. I was like, "Crap!" So I sat there for a little bit, make sure I didn't hear anything else. And then, you know, I, I keep walking, keep going, and I had to go around this little thick edge. And uh, I had some water. I had like a, a little beaver pond slough next to me. I had to walk next to. And anyways, I get around this edge next to the pond, and I'm about to walk up the edge of the pond like I was supposed to. And by this time, it's like light. It's clearly light i mean you could shoot something at 160 200 yards easy uh you know this is that that well lit it was after probably 10 minutes after legal shooting light and i just come around the edge and it's just it was quiet there was a storm pushing through but it was just quiet dude and you're walking through i mean you're walking through leaves that's like a foot deep of leaves dry leaves oh wow yeah like and and i was like by this time i'm like i'm trying to do my natural voice turkey that wasn't that bad well Anyways, I mean, that's good enough. Yeah, it's good enough. It's a deer. So well, I, 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 was, I was doing that and I was like scratching the leaves a little bit. And I just come around, popped around that corner and I hear, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, son of a, I'm like, dang it, dude. And I'm like, what the? And there was a big switch cane in front of me, like tall switch. I mean, tall, like 14 foot tall switch cane. And um, I don't know how many deer it was, two, three, four. I don't know how many, but like they saw me and heard me come around and they just mm. turned around. I'm like, son of a gun, dude. I sat there for a little bit. Probably a big in that group. Probably. Probably was a big probably old buck with his girlfriend. And uh, I was like, daggone. So anyways, I had, to slip, I had to go right past them to go around the head of this little slough to get to like the spot I was going to set up. Anyways, I get up there. Dude, there's deer sign everywhere. There's tracks. There's also pig sign. But there's tracks everywhere, trails. And some some of you are like, that's definitely a pig trail. And you can see it's you know, kind of more oval pig tracks. Um, but finally get stuff in the tree, get to the spot, climb the tree. And I didn't, I don't get in the tree, dude. Like I can't remember if it, I didn't get to the tree itself or I didn't get up into the tree. It's like seven thirty. Dang. Took me, took me a while to kind of yeah. take your time. Yeah. Actually, it might've been, I was up in the tree at seven thirty. That's probably what it was. But, uh, dude, anyways, went the whole morning, great spot, thick cover, bunch of different edges and kind of diversity right there. Did not see another deer. Okay, for that morning. Heartbreaker. Dang it. Wes, they saw a couple does. Brock saw a couple does. And I think Wes saw a buck. He couldn't tell how big it was slipping through the woods. One thing about those guys, I don't know if they all, I don't think Wes hunts, and he'll listen to this podcast, I don't think he hunts with binos. I don't know if any of those guys like come gun season and hunt with binoculars. I love them because oh, I don't, I don't want to like see something and have to throw my gun up to like look through the scope to try to figure out like, you know, is it, first of all, is it a good deer or, or what or whatever the situation is. But because uh, I was wondering, like Wes was telling the story afterwards, like how he saw it, and he was coming across the, the the through some water, or not water, but just coming through the timber, and he just saw white 
you know, antlers, but he didn't really couldn't tell what it was. I'm like, bro, I was wondering, I should have asked him, like, did you not have bondos? Because I would have thought the bondos up real quick and it was like <laughs> confirmed. Yep. Um, but anyway, so we get back to the boat and we're like, okay, we're gonna get back and we're gonna meet at the boat like at 11 o'clock. And uh, of course, I'm out a little bit later. I get, you know, it takes me a little bit of time to get everything packed up and everything. As as Andrew knows, I, I think everybody knows that now. I think Wes learned that learned that the next night too. Next oh afternoon. My gosh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which I'll get to in just a second. I take my time. I take my sweet time. Listen, I ain't the guy. I don't, I'll come screaming out of the tree like Andrew does, thirt clashing and stuff, throwing stuff oh, together. I practically right jump out of the tree when I'm done. Hunting. Yeah, no, I did. I'm. I get out. I'm quiet. I'm putting everything up nice and methodically, taking my sweet time. I mean, it literally <laughs> might take me 10, 10, 10 plus minutes, fifteen minutes maybe. Like once I'm down, get everything put together nice and quietly, and you slip out. I don't know. It might not take that long, but it feels. It feels no, like it a probably time. takes about twenty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but uh, we got back to the boat and everything. And when I got back to the boat, dude, I I, I just couldn't help but smile because I saw a pontoon boat there. I'm like, dude, this is the it's the buck barge, bro. It's the freaking buck barge. Yep. I was like, we got back on the boat and we just we sat there for a little bit. And I'm like, dude, this is like the best little base camp. And this is another thing about like the pontoon boat that I get to. Like, yeah, you can have like a little you can have a little runabout like a duck boat or whatever you can hunt out of, which is fine. I think that would be a better option if you're hunting like smaller uh, bodies of water. Um, if you're hunting like. I mean, pontoon boat can get in some shallow stuff, but if you're hunting around like a, just a ton of down logs and stuff and you're going to use a like a, a, a surface drive motor, yeah, a little modified V-hole. But if you're not using a surface drive and you're hunting some like bigger water, freaking pontoon boat's the ticket. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's like your scream, like 38 miles an hour, dude. That's plenty fast enough for me, okay? Oh, yeah. Especially when you get gear and everything. Um, But I was sitting there, I was like, man, this is the sweetest little, this is the sweetest little freaking, uh, like, this base camp. Like, you come back, you get, we, Wes brought a freaking, we didn't eat out there, but I had some, uh, some jerky I took with me, but he has like this uh, cooler and everything on there, just full of food. Like, man, we come back, got food, got drinks, and everything. Just the setup, yeah, just for midday and go back in, whatever. Yeah, but we get back, and actually, while we're sitting there talking on the edge of the water, I look over and I cannot help but see all these giant tracks, dude, literally five yards from the boat, paralleling the river. And like where he dropped you off, right where he dropped us off. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, I'm looking at them, I'm like. I should have sat right where the boat was. I should have like should have just stayed there. I should have sat right there on those trees. Like, are you, uh, were you using a climber, by the way? Yeah, uh, use a climber. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely out there. Mm -hmm. His primo climbing opportunities. Get up high, dude, over that thick stuff. But um, I'm like, dude, the deer were right here. I mean, um, big tracks, big tracks, all run split out tracks right there too. And they're they're jumping this little ditch where we got dropped off at, and you get to see the tracks on both sides and the fresh droppings there. I'm like, dude, we were standing there this morning. I never saw the tracks that morning. wasn't paying attention to them, like in the mm -hmm. dark. But dude, there's so much sign right there, and uh, that was what Wes was saying. He's like, well, Scott, uh, Scott Smith, I think his last name is Smith. Um, that's what he does, and he he lives down there, and he's like, dude, he he. Wes jokes with them, but Scott's serious. Sometimes he will park the boat and sit in a tree above the boat watching right there. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls, but they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the, the success call, and you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP20 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. Like that's how like he's hunting within like, within feet of the of the of the edge of the water. I've heard of a bunch of people doing that who who like to hunt that river stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's that's pretty common. Well, let me tell you why. And I, you know, we you, did. A, you don't have to walk far. Well, we did a podcast. Uh, I did a listener success story, maybe about like a month ago, maybe a little farther, with uh, uh, Randy Madden from uh, Primal Tech Bows, and uh, he hunts in East Texas, and he killed two bucks on river systems out there, and he killed, I think, one of them. Yeah, he killed one of them that was literally right on the edge of the river. And what he was hunting is on the edge of the river is like where all the thick covers at. I mean, the first ten yards of the river is thick. And then it's like wide open mature timber. Where that where that sunlight's kind of penetrating yeah. from the openness of the river. Yeah, at, at an angle. Yep. And that's exactly what I found. And again, one reason I was glad to go hunt down there is because I was able to see something that I'm not used to. And it gives me now a different perspective of like if we talk to somebody that hunts around there, I now have a little bit better idea. Like I now understand like how you hunt slews. Okay. Yeah. Sounds stupid. I'll get into this a little bit. But anyways, me and Wes had a long conversation about it because I didn't really understand that until I got down there and I was actually hunting around. I'm like, this is like the best funnel ever. <laughs> this is <laughs> awesome. Um, but uh, dude, all the thick covers, a lot of thick covers right on the edge. I mean, talking dog hair thick. And that's where all the trail, tr- the tracks are coming through. And that's what Scott was talking about. He's like, that's what I hunt. He's like, dude, sometimes he's like, I'll kill a deer 12 yards from the boat and I'll be up in the tree and they're 12 yards out there. Like just drop them. Just, you got to drag them. You literally... 12 feet into the boat and get them in the boat. Yep. Uh, and then other times, you know, they're out a little bit farther, but like they run the edge, like especially those bucks will run the edge of that river uh, in any stream or anything like that. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's cool to kind of see it, but also seeing the tracks, I was like, dude, this is awesome. This is cool. And, uh, you know, we get back in the boat and everything drive around and uh, we had a, there was a huge storm coming in, like huge rainstorm coming in. And actually uh, up north, it was getting snow where we were at. It was not going to be snow. And, uh, so we were like, we got like 45 minutes to get back. Uh, so we were hauling freaking butt um, uh, back to Scott's house. And anyways, got there just as the rain started like letting out. And anyways, we didn't hunt that afternoon, hung out. And then the rain was supposed to, it was going to rain slash sleet slash snow all the way through the next day, which would have been Sunday at about noon. Uh, so me and Wes were like, okay, let's, you know, we'll sleep in wake up and then get ready and get on the boat, you know, by, you know, noon, one o'clock, whatever you can get to the spot and, and just hunt the afternoon. Well, the weather started get was pushing back farther and farther back with the rain. Like it's like, okay, now it's going to be one o'clock. Well, now I'm saying two o'clock. Now it's saying like two thirty three. I'm like, well, I got rain gear. We're just going to tough. We're going to tough it out. We're just going to get wet. high winds, dude. Winds were ripping, dude, down Nasty there, day. which is sketchy because there's freaking dead trees everywhere out there. I mean, I heard three th- afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I heard three trees go down, big trees. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, trees do make sound uh, <laughs> in the woods. In the very fall. big sound. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, not not, not nothing you want to hear when you're up in a tree and you're looking around like, oh, the tree I'm in alive, but the ones around me, like you know, looking. Yeah, you start looking around, you're like, oh, there's that one over there. I think I could get me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm on the edge of it. Yeah, it fell just right and missed that other one. I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but uh, anyways, hunted hunted another spot that afternoon, and uh, it's a spot where they've killed some some really good deer, and it was dude, it was like again hunting like this little slew thing like i say a slew thing it was like where a slew came in and then went to like a a ditch and the ditch was like anywhere from some spots were probably 25 feet wide other spots it was like probably 10 12 feet wide and it got a little bit more narrow but had water all in it and uh it's just a spot that Wes was explaining to me you know the deer get pushed and they're trying to cut the edge because there's some private adjoining to it some open private and they're just trying to cut that edge, and they're, they're they'll hop across that ditch. They'll come across that ditch, and uh, through some couple thick spots. And he was sat there, dude, and it looked so good. The sign was there. Actually, when we walked in, he walked me to the tree because he was like, he's like, it's a very specific tree you need to get in. Because if you get in 
one tree too far up, they'll bust you because they cross. He's like, they'll cross literally right in front of you, like at 10 yards. Uh, and then some will cross a little bit farther in front of you. And if you fit, sit too far back, you won't be able to shoot far enough up um, to be able to get an opportunity at them. So anyways, we walked in there. While we're walking there, there's a freaking deer standing there right next to the freaking tree I was about to climb. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sweet. What was it? I think it was a doe. I, I, I'll, I'll see his tail. I think that's all uh, Wes could really see. He was like, he just saw the tail as it was turning. It was thick in there. Everything's like, when you're up in a tree, you can see down into it. Like you're up 25, 30 feet. You can see down into it. When you're on the ground, everything's like eye level, like thickness. Mm-hmm. So you're just like pushing your way through. Like it's like a bunch of like there's some privet down in there. There's switch a lot of switch cane. Um, just all kinds of all kinds of crap you're pushing through. Um, Greenbrier, the whole nine yards, and then you'll come up and you climb a tree and you're like, oh crap, I can kind of see down into this. But I'm like, I see why a deer would want to cross and come into this stuff because there's plenty of cover. And he's like, man, there's only deer bedded right here next to the slough when we're walking in. And pretty much he said that, and that's when the deer freaking popped up out of the tree and <laughs> next to the tree and took off. But uh, anyways, I sat that afternoon and uh, I did. I didn't see anything that afternoon. I had a guy walk in on me, and this is the problem when you're hunting. I I, I kind of thought about this. Wes is like, I've never had a guy walk in on me. And I, I'm like, if you're hunting with a boat and you have the boat with you, I can see that because like guys sees a boat pulled up and it's hunting season, especially on some of this property. Like they, they know. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have, again, if you don't have a boat or anything to mark that, hey, there's a hunter in the woods, there's no way they're going to know. Uh, yeah. And that's what I think what happened. I never even heard the boat pull up. I didn't even see the boat, but the guy pulled up somewhere else on this piece and he's walking around walking the edge of the water. And I heard something, dude. And I turned. I was like, "Man, I you was, thought you thought you're about to get one." I was like, "It's a big old buck." That's what happened to me earlier this year. Because I grunted at the dude, and he came walking in. I was like, "Oh, here he comes!" Here but, he but, comes. but see, the it was it was windy. I mean, it was windy. Like, I thought there was a very little chance you're gonna hear something. And just it died for a second. I heard. Shh, shh. And I'm like, "Oh shoot!" I, I just I just turned left, and there's the guy in this orange. <laughs> and he, he's, he's got a summit tree stand on his back, dude. And he's walking kind of like quartering it's towards like a big old turtle coming through. Yeah, the woods. Like, like like quartering towards me. And he's like 80 yards away. And I'm like, and I went, I just whistled and waved at him. And he was like, oh, so, and he like waved at me. And he's like, sorry. And he like, you know, he walked oh, back. Oh, which you, it's, it was good, nice response. I, I appreciate that because I was still expecting the deer to come from the opposite direction from where he was coming in, which is good. But I didn't say anything that afternoon. Uh, but it's a cool spot. But again, it gave me more confidence kind of hunting areas like that of like how much water plays a factor for funnels and understanding topographical features that aren't on topographical maps like understanding like how ditches like can affect these deer out mm-hmm. there how like literally like a ridge like what richard fox talks about there you could have a ridge out there that's three foot high like that is your ri- ridge that's where your reddicks are at and everything out there and understanding like how that lays out and you're finding like all these different edges and all these different funnels and these little pinch points in between them like um Wes was talking to me about a spot that Scott uh, had messed around with and killed some deer at. Um, it was this where you had a bunch of these little ridges all come together at this one center point right next to the river. And he pulled the boat up. He could park right there, climb up a tree not, su- not super far from the, uh, from the water. But he had three ridges that all came together at this one spot. And it was like a funnel. There'd be water on all the other sides. It's like these little land bridges. Yeah. And hunt there and freaking have bucks run through there, you know, chasing does and kill some hammers. Yes, sir. So I'm like, that is... So cool because it's totally different from the stuff that we normally hunt. Like it's a complete one. I was down there. I was like, I, mean, I kind of, I mean, knew a decent amount. Like knew like potentially how you'd hunt it. But after seeing these guys have been hunting down there for forty plus years and getting their perspective, oh, dude, it's cool, man. And yeah. also, the one thing I heard from, I learned from Wes as, as well while we were down there, which is something I'd like to talk a little bit more about in the podcast. Is everybody's always about like hunt super aggressive early season, go in there, kill the buck, kill the buck, super aggressive. 
well, a lot of these guys that are really successful, and like this is like same thing with like Michael Perry and a bunch of other guys too, is understanding when to go in and hunt with purpose instead of just to go in there just to be aggressive to be aggressive. Waiting till the time is right, especially if you are like you know where your doe groups are at. This buck's you know maybe you just don't have a whole bunch of daytime photos. You're not finding a lot of signs telling you like, hey, I probably kill this buck during daylight. And waiting till the conditions are right to go in there and, and again surgically remove him from the herd, as you know Andre DeQuizzo would say. Um, and that's what he does with a lot of these spots. Like Wes told me, like the spot I went into, he's like, nobody's been in here. None of the guys that they hunt with has been in there this year. Like they're the first time going. In. He's like, I don't know about any other hunters, but this will be the first time that we, you know, we've gone in there. It's a really and, good point. And it's like hunting smart and having a ton of spots. But I guess you can do that when you've been hunting, you know, these areas for forty plus years because you have areas in back of your mind that like, okay, this is a good spot. Let's hold off here until. January the second, and then go into this spot, and like you can do that where you're having fresh sits and like really, really good locations. Yeah, but that's how they do it. Like he runs trail cameras in some of those areas, and had some some good deer, good deer. Yeah, no, 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 I had one real big deer. But um, it's again, you're going in and you're hunting with purpose. You're not just going in, you know, in November. You're not, you're not burning up your spot. Well, you're not going. You know? Yeah, you're not going. And you're not burning yourself out either. That. Absolutely, but you're, again, like he's not going to go into one of these areas opening day of gun season because the conditions aren't right, mm-hmm. the water levels aren't right, everything's not right. The it's it's too far from the rut from what they're trying to do to get that buck on his feet and everything. Like, this is too far, and um, it's just it's tough. You know, it, it truly is more tough in that situation to try to go out there and have success where he knows like, hey, I can wait. And this is like all these guys, like Scott said the same thing, and a bunch of these guys wait until those conditions are right, going in there and then hunting hard. And then have your your opportunity to be able to kill one of these big deer, and dude, they they kill some freaking slammers. Yeah, dude, that's I'm talking. What, that's what we did um, last year. I mean, with with uh, the spot where I killed both of my bucks mm-hmm. here in Alabama, we didn't uh, we never stepped foot in there until like the first time I hunted it, and I shot that buck, and the second time I hunted it, I shot the second buck, and then I didn't hunt it again. You know, so I mean, kind of the same thing there. You just with that spot for me, I'm like, I feel like one, I'm not burning the spot up. Like the does are super comfortable being in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, I'm not parking my truck there all the time and, you know, having like a beat down trail going to the spot where someone else is going to notice it or anything like that. So I, I feel like those are a couple of the things, but that's so, that's so true. Like, I don't, and that just comes with experience and woodsmanship. You know, if they've been hunting for 40 years, they know when and why it's good. You know, if you don't know why it's good, you know, it's going to be really hard to hunt it mm. correctly. Like, you know, knowing when to hunt it at that correct time. Well, it's like, that's one thing I was telling Wes. I'll, even though, like, again, I went this whole hunt and never I never saw a deer while in this stand, I learned a ton. Like, it was an awesome learning experience because I, I, I learned from them of when it comes to being successful. Like, we were doing everything right. It's just condition. Like, we had, it was pretty nasty conditions we were in. And I'm sure, like, right now, if you're down there, Probably kill slammer. Weather conditions are great compared to like what we were dealing with. Um, but it was just learning so much from guys that have had a lot of experience in areas that I have n- not. I don't. It's not that I don't have confidence there. I just don't have experience hunting that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing you know their perspective of what's helped them be successful was super valuable. And that's one thing I, I say probably just mentioned on the podcast. If you can find somebody talking to listeners, if you can find somebody that you know, you know, through whatever, be through social media, maybe somebody in town that you know, this is consistently killing some good deer, um, and maybe like you're new to the area. If there's any way you can meet with one of these people to really pick their brain on some stuff, or possibly if you were lucky enough to where they'd actually take you into the field to show you what they're looking at, 
it would be fascinating how much yeah, you can yeah. learn from that versus somebody trying to explain to you. Because one thing is, Wes could, someone could explain all these different things about, say, like how you'd hunt a a a, a slough or like how you'd hunt um, these huge. He hunts huge funnels, like funnels that, like, if you're looking, like funnels, if you're looking at the map, like most guys, like picking out trees, you would never see this funnel. But you have to zoom out super far. Like this is why this area is so good because it's huge funnel, yes. like huge funnel, yes. like this huge rut funnel where they're coming from one area, literally. A thousand yards from one area, going to this other area, that's another thousand yards to your other to your other side, and they have to come through this one spot. And um, it's again just super super who, interesting. Who put it like that, where it's like two circles, and it's like you're finding where those two circles touch, basically, like as a metaphor, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, who was that? You remember? Um, Clifton Denning, maybe. Yeah, it might have been, might have been Warren. I don't know. Might might have been Warren. I don't know. We'll have to th- have but that, to that's a good analogy. And hey, you're right, man. Finding that guy that uh, locally really gets it done, dude. Go well, freaking you know, go buy him a beer if y'all drink beer. Uh, go or go buy him lunch or something. I'm sit down and talk to him. You know, start building that relationship. I mean, we've done that with some guys. You know, yeah. we went around here and just sat down and just like talk guys we never had on the podcast. I I, I think. The, I'll say this: You can only learn so much from a podcast, and I again love podcasts. Clearly, that's what we do here. But if you can go out and get a visual of what some of these people talk about, because again, somebody could talk to me about any of these different things, but when I actually went out there and actually saw in the field exactly like what they're talking about, it makes so much more sense than just hearing about. It. And then I'm trying to like think in my mind: Okay, they're talking about hunting. I'll tell you this, hunting sloughs. Like I've had guys tell me, like, how do you hunt a slough? And some some guys that hunt this are like, oh, it's so easy. Yeah, I get it now. But when I hear like, oh man, you gotta hunt a slough and you like you have these awesome pinch points around these sloughs and everything that these bucks are using, I didn't understand it until I got out there. And the first morning, the spot I said in was like hunting a pinch on a slough. And I'm like, this is the freaking coolest thing ever. I'm like, dude, if you're a bow hunter, this is the ticket, dude. I mean, hunting that kind of stuff is the absolute t- of course a deer could go across slough, he's swimming across slough, no problem. But a path of least resistance is around the top end of that slough or even the bottom of that slough. And some of these sloughs, some of these beaver ponds, down on the river, there'd be like a land bridge, like where you could walk across parallel to the river. Mm-hmm. And then it's a slough. Like, you know, you go 10 yards off the river, it's a slough, but there's a you know five-yard gap that they could walk across. And then at the head of the slough, same thing. So you had two different pinch points. And also made me think, man, you're going to run trail cameras? Yeah, primo spot. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just yeah. how you could fine-tune that stuff. So, again, I learned just so much after physically seeing these areas and, like, how these deer are using them versus, like, just talking to somebody and then somebody's just trying to explain it to me. So, it that was killer. Yep. Well, so, sounds like a fun hunt. Yeah, man. It was... It, as Wes said, he's like, man, he's like, because, you know, we're all... Me, Wes, and Brock, we're all sitting at uh, one tag left. Everybody's killed two bucks. And he's like, well, well, someone's gonna tag out this weekend, and like none of us shot a deer. <laughs> <laughs> and Wes is like, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, that's no big deal. And then Brock, I think it was yesterday, just freaking tagged out. He just killed a nice buck. Uh, I think I don't know if it's up in his club or where, but uh, so Brock just tagged out. So yeah, it was cool, dude. It's super, nice, super cool. But uh, yeah, dude. So uh, but yeah, that, that was that was that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm team. That's in one of the regions of Alabama that I just freaking love hunting that region. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Again, I'm, I'm team pontoon boat right now. Yeah. Like, it just, it. You need to do I, a southern I, outdoors with a pontoon I'll, boat. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The one downside, one of the downsides of the pontoon boat is, is the size of them and, to, and like towing and, and having, you gotta have a pretty, 
legit boat ramp to bail up pontoon in. But I guess you could same thing with any other like trailer boat, unless it's like real rinky dinky little boat uh, on like a real small trailer. You can maybe get into like a sketchier spot to put it in the water. Yeah. Um, but that was like the biggest, that's like the biggest takeaway I saw was like just again, just the size of it. But I mean, you can get a smaller pontoon boat. That's what I was telling you. It's like, man, get, I'm telling you, get a, make an A frame blind for it for duck hunting. Yes. Okay. And it's like a little, it's a floating, it looks like a floating marsh grass island. That's what it's going to look like. Make it, I, I thought about making like a big uh, beaver hut looking yeah, blind. Like, a, and it make it, it's like almost like a, like, oh, do you make it like a, uh, that's how I've seen guys. It's like almost like a, uh, what it, that's like an overhang blind. I don't know what the terminology is for it. Where you have like, it's like a short wall on one side and it's got the overhanging top where like you shoot out the one side. Oh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. That's probably a, like, it's a like a, it. make it look like a pit blind. Like yeah, a yeah, pit yeah. blind. Like literally, it's a floating pit blind. That's what it would turn out to be, which would be sweet, dude. <laughs> oh, it'd be awesome. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> oh, dude. Anyways, yeah, I'm all about it now. I was like, dude, this is the coolest freaking thing ever. I don't know, dude. You got me wanting one big time. Well, I've, I've hunted, already been, dude. I want a boat so bad, I can't stand it. Yeah, I've hunt. I mean, I've hunted out of uh, you know like smaller V hole boats, aluminum bass boats, stuff like that, and they're all great. I'm telling you, dude, that freaking pond, dude, was sweet, dude. Just, and also, what I liked about it was like, if it, I'll say this, if it was an individual guy, like just one guy mm-hmm. hunting, I wouldn't do it. Like, if it was like the single guy, like, say my situation, like, I wouldn't go buy a pontoon boat just for myself, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you're like married and you got to get a boat to tuck your wife into, oh, dude, Tiffany's sold. But, she's, she's ready to go. But on listen, a you, you can't do carpet. Mm-hmm. If it's got carpet, that needs to be ripped out and you have that freaking vinyl, whatever they put in center console boats. Yep. That vinyl, whatever, something you, you throw spray a bloody off. dead deer on it. Oh, just mud, really mud in boots. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, because... Carpet going to change colors it'll just, it's, real it's, quick. You need to power wash it. But anyways, um, that's that's the only thing. But like, for like, you know, the, the standard guys, like, it's just him and like, you know, he doesn't have any hunting buddies. You A smaller aluminum boat would be great. But if you got some buddies and stuff, especially like some of these different camps and stuff, oh, man. Yep. It's just killer. Um so again, the only down, only other downside is like if you're going to go and like if you're like legit duck hunting and you're trying to get in some flooded timber, or yeah, I mean that's it, like getting flooded timber, or getting in the area where you need a surface drive motor. And I'm like, okay, that's not the boat for you. That's why you have two boats or three boats. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that, that, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, get a couple. Boats. Yeah, yeah, you can't just have one boat. Let's be honest, guys. yeah, dude. You can't just it's, have it's one. It's like it's like having a saddle and a climber. Yeah, you got it's on. a tool for everything. Absolutely, yeah, maybe two or three. Mm. Beach. <laughs> oh, speaking of pontoon boats, man, there is not a better platform, dude, for crappie fishing. Oh, oh. Dude, you you want to talk about? You got some coolers full of beer out there, dude. Doing like the whole like spider rig oh, thing my. off a of pontoon. Not even just that. Just underneath, the, go underneath the bridge, find you just a brush pile, man, and get so you know nice. four or five people on there. You know, just just oh my god, yeah, bro. I'm getting. I'm, I'm, we'll fill a cooler up so quick, uh, dude. I'm about ready to tear up some crap. I had to call all uh, all of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, adrian adrian farley I almost said uh drayton farley his son see I, i've been oh, i've been getting ready to watch adrian so adrian farley if you're a long time listener you've heard him on here several times episode uh, i think 125 yeah he was, was one of, on that one one of the ones that was one of, he was on with jeff i'm pretty sure yeah um and he, so he he's has a youtube channel awf outdoors and he's a huge crappie fisherman he's uh, more more than deer hunting like yeah. he's way more into it than he is deer hunting he's a heck of a good deer hunter but dude i'm talking about every time he goes the other day he's like he's like finally found time to fish and he's got the freaking slab of a crappie dude i'm talking like 16 inch crappie so um i'm getting ready to start binging his videos i'm not doing it till after this hunt because i know that once i start dude it's not gonna be great well you need to wait till you get a boat man well i mean and i got the hobie listen 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 listen, listen. if you listen I'll, I'll say this you we get we get you get a 
somehow we talk some people in do a do a uh, pontoon boat. I'll pull off my fish my uh, that Garmin off my Hobie, oh, yeah. and we'll put it on that with the with the live scope and everything, dude. And, oh, now we're talking. and we'll be a crappie fishing machine. machine. I showed Tiffany a pontoon boat last night. Yeah, you know, just kind of like just testing the waters mm-hmm. a little bit. She starts asking me questions about it. I'm like, so you didn't say no? And she just kind of looked at me. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Pontoon boats, like any boat, can get really expensive. So hopefully you weren't showing her like a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar pontoon no, boat. No, no. This is one we could afford. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because, no. uh, yeah, dude, pont, dude, it's like anything. Dude, there's some pontoon boats that are like over a hundred grand, dude. Just ridiculous. Out of all the boats, uh, she, she definitely would prefer a pontoon boat over like a freaking... 16 foot yeah, I would, John boat. I would too. Like, dude, compared Some to like crappy mud motor on the back that's of what, it. That's what I was going to say. Like, you, you were talking about getting like an all well aluminum, uh, like modified V hole, almost like a duck boat, like a, like a bigger boat, like 15, 16 foot long boat, 17 foot long boat with an outboard or, you know, a uh, tiller. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't think Tiffany's going to want to get on that, dude. And, and also, yeah, just I mean, just being honest. No, no, but, no, no, no. I'm like, but you get the I'm telling you, get the beat the bench. I oh, said something else. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the bench seating uh, on the uh, pontoon and everything, comfortable, dude. Plenty of room, plenty of room for the dogs. You know, suntan, fish. The whole day. Dude, I was telling her, <clears throat> I was like, look, we live 20 minutes from like five boat ramps on two different lakes mm-hmm. here in Alabama. I'm like, we would use this all the time. Dude, the y'all summer. would never be home in the summer, I guarantee All the freaking time, dude. Oh my gosh. We'll, have to do po- we'll do podcasts on the water, bro. No, I Dude, we could do it. There's nothing that would stop us. Except buying the pontoon boat. <laughs> Except buying the pontoon boat. Everyone will spot me a couple grand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, man. Dude, we're looking. We're looking hard. Hey, you want to split one? I'll split one with you. I got the place to store it. Where the hell? Oh, yeah, you do have the place mm-hmm. to store it. Yeah, I confirmed it yesterday. I confirmed it. <gasps> I thought, dude, another place we take it is the place I want to go hunt in Arkansas. Yeah. You know the places? Oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah, yeah. I oh, know okay. All right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. And our trucks could pull that. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Tundras, baby. <laughs> Well, it's just a, it's, I think any quarter tongue truck could pull, could pull it, Andrew. Jesus, unless it's like a, a freaking triple axle pontoon, which I don't. Think. Oh, because Ben Tiff had a big discussion. She's like, "Can your truck even pull that?" I'm like, "Yes, it can." Oh, she was talking. Some, she was talking some mad. Yeah, I was offended. <laughs> I was like, "What are you saying?" <laughs> All right, so pontoon. Me and Jacob are trying to get us a pontoon boat. If anybody's selling one for a good price, I mean. Hit, yeah, hit, hit us up. Yeah, no joke. We can I, drive. Jacob, Jacob, he's he's free on the wing now. He can drive wherever. Yeah, listen, you got a good enough deal, and you're you're up there in like Arkansas or something. Shoot, that, that, that's not even, He's got to go up there to get his bear anyway. Yeah, that's not even that far. I was thinking more like, dude, you up in like Montana or something. Oh my god, I don't think you're gonna find a pontoon boat in Montana. Maybe you would. Well, so anyways, yeah, looking for those. Um, all right, before we wrap this up, you want to talk about the hunt this weekend, or, or you yeah. want to save it for the next outro because we're going to record the next outro when we're there with Michael. I mean, you, we have us talk about like I think we talked about the main. Did we talk about the main episode? Because uh, I talked to John Ball today from a uh, maybe uh, Casher Leather, and uh, he's dude, he's building me that custom holster. Uh, yes, so shout, shout out to one of our Patreon uh, partners, uh, which is uh, John Ball with uh, Cash River Leather. Um, he's got a little Facebook page. You can go check it out. He's building me a, a custom uh, leather holster for my Thompson Center Contender 
pistol that's uh, chambered in uh, 3030 with scope on it and everything. It's a sweet 10 inch barrel dude from 19, I think it's 1980 model. It was really beautiful gun, but he's building me a custom chest rig uh, leather holster for it. And it's going to be sweet. So that's why I had to take measurements earlier, send him that, but he's working on that. So that'd be cool. But no, he was asking me, he said, uh, he said, Hey, y'all going to go on that hunt. Cause I was telling him I was pretty much going from like, I've gone from like Iowa to hunting with Wes, like within a couple of days to now a couple of days later, we're going down to this other place to hunt. So I'm like, dude, I'm freaking getting after it. Yeah. Like, geez, we need gas sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Exxon. Dude, no, we need to get old BF Goodwrench, dude. Uh, some of those guys hooked me up with some tires. That was cool. So yeah, cause you crane over a piece of rebar. I tore a huge hole in my tires and one, one of the reps got with me and I was like, I need, y'all are awesome. So appreciate that. But, uh, the, uh, where was like oh what i'm trying to get john was saying that he heard on i guess it was the last main episode that we were talking about that hunt like going down there and everything mm-hmm. like damon was going to be down there yep. uh so i mean yeah let's talk about it i mean i think it's gonna be super fun dude we got airbnb you get the whole nine yards it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast yeah i'm excited this place i don't think i got to hunt this place last year no did you I? didn't nope because you're a debbie downer yep so yeah i didn't get to go hunt it i'd like to hunt this place uh hunted it a couple years in a row till last year i broke my streak um but dude i mean there's a yeah, yeah, we did talk about it because we talked about you putting one through the back straps mm-hmm. of that buck. Yeah, so that's what we're going to hunt that same place. Uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of people down there. Damon's going to be down there um, filming something for a TV show, I believe yeah. he's putting together. Yep. Uh, so he's looking for some tracks. So um, <clears throat> if you're hunting down there, you probably know where we're talking about. I mean, I'm not going to say it, but you, <laughs> I mean, some people probably figured it out. Oh, a lot of people already did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hey, listen, listen. I mean, hey, if you're down hey, there this weekend and you hey, shoot something, you need someone to track it. Hit up uh, Damon Bungard. Damon's going to be there. And if you shoot something and you kind of got an easy track job and you're feeling generous, get, Jacob's going to have Pepper. Yeah, Jake, yeah, I'm going to have Pepper down so there. So I had some people already hit me up today. Oh, really? Yeah, about, they were like, hey, uh, appreciate it. Because I shared what Damon was saying about, mm-hmm. like, hey, if you need a tracker. And, uh, man, I thought you had it on Do Not Disturb. I, I did, but they must have called twice. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, uh, what was I saying? Damon, people hit you up. Oh yeah, Damon hit me up. Uh, people hit me up about Damon, and I and I've been I've been telling him. Hope you're okay with this. But I was like, hey, I got another friend. He's gonna have his puppy down there. If uh, if you guys shoot something and it's kind of an easy track, if job. you hammer it and it only runs thirty yards, call me. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure that he would love to put his puppy on that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he'll probably help you drag it out of the woods too. Oh yeah. So I kind of volunteered you a little oh, bit. Oh shoot, but. I don't know if I want to be dragging. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I didn't use the workout. Do you have to bring him to the check station? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a check hunt. Mm. Yep. All right. I guess we can. Well, we need, we need to talk to... Well, so, uh, when the, the biologist over at, at uh, the other place I shot that book at, yep. he's... Dude, Drew's cool. He's like, dude, well, you quarter it out. No big deal. He's like, I don't, <laughs> I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I think he said it's up to the discretion of the biologist at each place. So, really, we ought to call down there. I mean, we'll just we'll stop at the check station and ask him. Especially the spots that that we're hunting, we're gonna, we're, it, it's not gonna be that hard. To we're get gonna one go out. in there, and the first legal bucks come by, Andrew, and we're gonna have a drag that sucker out, dude. After this year, hell L- yeah, you kidding lead. me? <laughs> you kidding me? The, the lead will be there. Ain't, there ain't many two and a half year olds <laughs> safe this weekend, buddy. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the first one that makes my heart beat twice. Yeah, <laughs> the lead will be flying. Hey, it's an either sex hunt, so is she, it really? Yeah, the Saturday afternoon, old Doreen comes by. She might not even be safe. I don't know. Neighbor, <laughs> get that so you're close to the close to the truck. Oh man, um, yeah, but no, it's gonna be a blast. We got Airbnb. Yeah, I'm bringing Pepper down there, so uh, probably what we'll do is 
you know, I'll, I'll probably load her in the truck every day when we go hunt and, uh, and ha- just keep her in the truck. Um, that'd probably be the best thing for her. So we shoot something. I can just have her right there. Cause I'll shoot something, dude. Even if it goes down, I'm just going to take her out there and I'm just gonna be like, just go play with the deer. Like just go chew on it and get all fired up. So, yeah. oh yeah. You probably hang out at the check station with her. Yeah. yeah there's going to be some deer. Com- there's going to be deer coming through yeah. hey, all day. Guess So another thing talking about like, so do she get super, my brother Thomas, he was doing those year amounts uh, for yeah. you and my uncle and everybody, and, and also one for me. And but you know, it turned out fantastic. Well, Pepper's been out there eating all that stuff that he's been power washing off of. That's nasty. Yeah, she was gross. I had to bathe. I mean, it was, it was nasty. But dude, so anyway, she now sees a European skull. She's like, wants to get after it. <laughs> so old, old Doug White PK, uh, he sent me a message. He killed another big deer down in uh, Florida, and um, he sent me a message and. He was, I guess, did some euro mounts, and he was. He sent me a message. He's got a uh, a D. He's got a DD, a Drothar, Drothar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, and he had the or German wire pointer for some of y'all. Uh, had um, <laughs> what? <laughs> the way you said that, like for some of you people, you uncultured people out there. <laughs> no, well, I, well, actually, his is a, his is a German wire because I don't think his. is Straight German lineage. Anyways, I'm, oh I'm not gonna. I'm, gosh, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get into it. I've already talked. I've already talked to him. Come on, he's there. Nick and Dare is somewhere laughing. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyways, so he had he sent me a video. I'm like, what the hell's going on? He had a Europe, he had a skull mount that he had to put up in like the rafters of like one of his rooms. His dog, dude, his puppy's as big as is as old as Pepper. I think actually, he might, be, he might be six months old. Dude, he's going. He wants to get that freaking skull so bad. <laughs> and uh, he was laughing and everything. He's like, yeah, I've created a monster like it is very high fur driven so fur drive so anyway but yeah he said he's been doing some drags with it too taking like again deer lakes like i've been doing pepper and like just you know tie it to a stake and drag it around the yard and everything and Mm -hmm. been doing good with it so that's pretty cool but yeah dude having your own dogs awesome man super awesome so yes sir good old time by the way i'll put this out there there this I've been on Facebook a lot since like uh, the Iowa trip and everything. Like I'm still trying to catch up with a lot of stuff. And I was going on there and dude, I saw it was a uh, some guy that does uh, skull mounts uh, named Matthew Skullworks or something like that uh, in Central Alabama. He made a post. He's like, hey, he's like, if you are hunting, if you're in Central Alabama, you need to be hunting now. And he showed it. He showed it. He's like, this is from the last five days. And he had two freezers and a truck bed full of heads that he's doing your amounts. Nice bucks. He said, all these came from Central Alabama in the last five days. Wow. He's like, you need to be hunting. I'm like, I'm like well, well, well. Well, well, well. Yep. Jeez. So I have to make something happen. But anyways, I was like, I was like, I need to take, I need to take some notes on, on this date here. Um, you know, like the, you know, the 16th, 17th, 18th. Like, January? Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, hey. All these guys, I'm telling you, all these guys in these other states, and they're like, oh, man, I'm done hunting, dude. I'm getting ready to shed hunting now. I'm like, dude, for y'all shed hunting all you want. But uh, dude, we still got good bit of season left and some rut to happen dude yes we do so yes we do but uh what else you got uh last thing i'll say about it so i talked to damon damon uh contacted us mm-hmm. um and he was wanting to know about where you should come to try to film this thing for tracking because you know like tennessee's either done or close to being done right now right they've been done since the sixth okay we'll see I, come I haven't on hunted, now i haven't deer hunted tennessee in like three years so i don't know uh so yeah tennessee's done um, which is where Damon lives. Yep. And so he was asking me where to go, and I was like, "Well, dude, I I got the place for you. I mean, there's a, there's always a ton of people down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably gonna be 600 people checking yep. for this hunt. So uh, I told him to come down here. There's gonna be like a ton of people. So there's a lot of potential for uh, getting a track. And I was kind of explaining to him this place and how 
It's very well known. Mm-hmm. One of the more famous WMAs in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Massive, like hunter presence there. These hunts every year. And uh, Damon, I, I, I could, I caught the sense where he's like, "Why would you go hunt there?" I'm like, "Dude, because there's a freaking ton of deer. There's good deer, and all those people, dude, they just get them moving." As far as I'm concerned, yeah, tons of hogs too. So tons of pig, just a game rich environment. Such a fun place to hunt, dude. Such a fun place to hunt. But yeah, dude, there's a lot of people that hunt this place. Mm-hmm. But we've never, I mean, it's never uh, caused much of an issue with us. I mean, we've ran into folks, but we still managed to get on deer. That time that we ran into the listener way back there, that that was the day you shot that buck. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, and then they were hunting that area, and then he killed a buck later on. Yeah, and then. Um, that's that's a we just need we just need to get up when you put tracks on the trucks like like tank tracks because the roads gonna be so bad <laughs> it's supposed terrible. to you're supposed to rain like the whole time we're down yeah oh yeah i got four wheel drive now son uh d- mm, sometimes that ain't gonna cut it i'll be honest there's a couple roads i ain't going down i don't well, know where i'm hunting i'm hunting where we're me and I, you I, that's what i'm going to yeah we're, we're all hunting together well i've been there in my ford before like after a rain yeah I mean, I was wide open, but I made it back there. <laughs> I mean, your rooster tail looking like a bass boat, but rooster tail and spraying trees and everything, mud. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Just, yeah. I got back there. I was like, what have I got myself into? Yep. You go around curves and your speedometer says like 40 and you're moving like three inches a second. Yeah. Last year was so bad. I, I, I keep, funny enough, I got tire chains. I keep in my truck. And guys like, why the hell do you keep tire chains? I'm like, I don't know. I just put them in there, got them in the deck system. I don't really think about them. But uh, I almost told Wes last year when we were hunting down there, I was like, man, I'm about to put my chains on, like, for real. Like, how bad these roads were. Because, like, you could – there was – Do you think it would have helped? For oh, real? absolutely, dude. Yeah. Your, your tires, from the second you hit, you hit the dirt and mud they're, roads – They're donuts. Th- yeah, there's there's no track. I don't care what tires you got. It's not – It's yeah. sl- you're running on slicks. Um, absolutely. Yeah, the chains would have been super, super, super helpful. Um, you but, still got them? Yeah, I got them in the truck. Absolutely. I keep them. All situations, man. Yeah, dude. Bring a couple straps down there. We might be pulling somebody out. Yeah. Well, that was another thing uh, we were talking about is like hunting down there. Like you got to get out, you know, pretty freaking early because what happened to us last year when we got out pretty early, but not as early as I was expecting. And uh, you definitely want to be like one of the first ones on the roads because after not after like a couple trucks go through, it gets real rutted up. And there was one road that Wesley and uh, Steve and some other guys are going down. Um, there was already trucks, I mean, stuck, like in like blocking the whole road. So they had to turn around and come back the other way. And pretty much we were all doing that up until like almost like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we were on the road about four. Yep. So it, you know, it was, it was terrible. So yeah. And I, 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 I got big time stuck, big time stuck. There, yeah. I got big time stuck one time down there. We made it to our spot early in the morning. And dude, I'm just freaking bottomed out in this mud hole, uh, going, going down this road. And, we couldn't get out, and me and Mark spent an hour and a half walking up and down the road, picking up big freaking rocks, and then shoving them down up underneath my tires in the mud hole. And it took until daylight to get out. And then finally, we got out there and walked to the tree, and there was a buck standing under it. And we spooked him. Nice. Yeah, happens, man. Happens. Yeah. Happens to the best of us. But anyways, it, it'll be super fun. So I'm excited for it. So uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I hope hopefully somebody gets something. Uh, Michael started hunting down there today, so we'll kind of see what he's coming up with, and then me and you'll show up and take it from there, man. I yeah. guess we'll see what they're doing. They should be rutting right now. I mean, I've had some really good hunts down there. Yeah, right I t- around these these days. I told uh, I told uh, Michael because he was asking because I was gonna go down today, but I was like, I'm just gonna stay here and go down in the morning. Um, but uh, 
he's like, he's like, hey, do you want to go scout this spot? Because we're all talking about the same spot. And he's like, hey, do you want to go scout it? I'm like, dude, we don't need, like, we already know. All right, yeah, we already know. We already spots. we already know what's there. We know the trees are getting like. There's no reason to just go walk it up just to go walk it up. I mean, we we know it's there. Mm-hmm. And again, I was getting that from like just hunting with Wes, and that's how Wes is. He's like, there's no. He's like, once you know what's there and like what it's going to produce and the setup, there's not really a reason to just go walk in there. Just go walk in there. Just to kind of yeah. I mean, you can confirm some stuff, but it's that's holding deer. Everything around there, it's holding deer. Everything's going to work out just fine. So um, that's kind of the take on that hunt. So I was like, dude, I mean, if you want to, you can spot check it. But I was like, dude, I'd maybe let's go find some backup spots. So if in case something happens there, we got a couple other spots we can kind of go check at. But yeah. uh, that yeah. that one's going to be a going to be good. it's going to be solid. Yeah, so. it's like I mean, there's going to be deer there. I mean, there's not only is there a high deer density on the place, but just. I don't know. The way it sets up, you got history with it. The habitat is phenomenal. I've got a backup spot that I guarantee nobody else will be hunting because it's a hellhole. But I went and scouted it last year mm-hmm. and got an opportunity to kill. So I, it won't be prime. It'll be backup spot. But if it's a backup spot, I have full confidence down there. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty, pretty sweet. Pretty sweet area. Pretty sweet area. Pretty, pretty slick spot. Yeah. And uh, completely the other side, too, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But uh, anyway, awesome. All right, boy. Let's uh, let's read some reviews. Oh then, my shall gosh, we? dude! Yeah, we got to read some reviews. What you got? You got you got to get us on topic because I don't know where we were at for the last one. So it's uh, it's been a minute. Let's see here. Oh, we got a bunch of them. Was it MK Graham fifteen? The last one we read. Uh, Ozark Mountain Bow Hunter looking for a deer hunting podcast that deep dives into the hows and whys. Did we read that one? Yes. No. Maybe. Um, I think Ozark Mountain Hunter. That's the last one we we read. I think that yeah. Uh, actually no, I think we might have stopped just before that one. I don't know if we. I don't think we. I don't know if we read that. All right, I'll start with that one then. Okay. All right, Ozark Mountain Bow Hunter, gold mine of deer slaying info. Looking for a deer hunting podcast that deep dives into the hows and whys. This is the podcast for you. I know, I know. <laughs> What does Southern hunting have to do with Midwest hunting? I thought the same, and man, was I wrong. I've hunted Arkansas, Kentucky, Ohio, and Missouri. I found this podcast to come up with some of the best guests to explain the hows and whys from all over the whitetail world. I'm mostly a Midwest hunter, and this podcast just drops gold nuggets of info that you'll connect with how you hunt. Sweet. Sweet. Appreciate it, my man. Ozark Mountain Hunter. He must be in Missouri then. Yeah. Um, all right. This is Ridge Runner 91. This is called Pure Gold Five Stars. Uh, if you're looking for a podcast that covers all aspects of hunting, this is your ticket. Top-notch hosts with top-notch guests. This podcast continues to make me a more well-rounded woodsman and hunter. Being a mountain hunter in West Virginia and Virginia, I absolutely love the content that includes uh, they've included for this for that topic. Um, y'all have got a lifer here, fellas. Keep on, keep it on. Over and out from West Virginia. Nice. Bridge runner. West Virginia. All right. Uh, Crisco 1980. I love Crisco. We're going to fry some fish up with some Crisco. Old, uh, I think he meant to say old dog, new tricks, five stars. I've been hunting my whole life. First 20 years with dad and learned a lot and hunted a lot out of climbers after scouting out a spot. Last 20, I've uh, conveniently gravitated to box stands. Maybe it's my kids. I want to be comfortable. Uh, maybe it's the little buddy heater. Maybe it's the time that I once had to put in whatever 
it is I got comfortable. Listening to some episodes and doing research, I found this week uh, to get un- I found time this week to get uncomfortable. I hunted a spot this afternoon that I saw and liked earlier in the year. Recent sign was there, late acorns, right off a thicket. I eased out there after my morning hunt, first time in, first time hunting. Wind direction was perfect for me, coming in uh, in my setup, wind in my face, and I was watching the funnel from the bedding area. I knew the deer were bedded up in a thicket, and as soon as the wind would lie, then they would come out into the acorn flat I, I was set up in. Uh, I, I saw wind was going to die down a little late to get a good shot, but I wanted to at least get out there and uh, get out what your guests were putting down. I got set up early afternoon. I saw the path where the deer would funnel to feed after the high wind, and they, ju- they did just that. Just a little late, but three big deer came out exactly where I visualized, and to be honest, I knew it was going to be tough to get a clean shot prior to dark. That was a win, and I can't wait to carry over what I've learned next year. Keep it up. I appreciate you all and your guests. Chris uh, Corson? Yeah, Corson. Corson? Chris, appreciate it, man. That sounds like an awesome hunt. Uh, That's what it's all about, dude, is taking what you learn, going out there and applying it and, and seeing something. You know, maybe maybe you didn't kill one of those deer, but hey, you saw it, and you're like, okay, I think I can replicate this. And now you can apply that to next year. So, you know, I love it. All right. So this is um, from Thundering Buffalo, and it's Crickets on the Hook. Five stars. The Thicket Crickets have a good podcast. Thicket Crickets have a lot of people hooked on the podcast for sure. Hook, line, and sinker. Nice. The Thicket Crickets. All right. The Dr. Dale. Best hunting podcast. Five stars. Absolutely love the content, and it keeps getting better and better. Maybe after deer season, y'all could get Kevin Kevin Murphy back on for a how-to on small game hunting. Thanks for the great work. P.S. Y'all go buy merch and keep the ginger employed. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. The merch has been going out left and right, so I appreciate everybody been ordering the merch. And also, uh, tag us in some posts. Of course, if you got the new hat, shirts, or anything else, uh, when you get it in, you know, take a photo, whatever, in the field, tag us in it, especially on social media, on Instagram, and then we'll go about sharing that. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Also, this next one's hilarious. Dude, my brother said this one. <laughs> <clears throat> I love this. I love this. All right, so this is from... I, it's dad something. I don't know. I think he just put in a random username. Serious question, five stars. At least he gave us five stars for this. Does Jacob really think barbed wire is called bob wire? <laughs> I was wondering that, too. You just you say it all the time. I'm like, maybe pick that up in Arkansas or something. Yeah, it's bob wire. I don't know. Barbed, bob wire. I don't, barbed wire. That doesn't flow off the tongue. Barbed wire. Barbed wire. Bob wire sounds way better. Bob wire. What do I say? Bob wire. You don't say barbed wire. Do I say? Now, now I feel uncomfortable saying it. Do I say that? Bob wire. Bob wire. That does that does it's, roll it off. It rolls off quite, way, but listen, listen nice. it's just it's just some Jacob slang for you guys. It's Bob not it's not correct, but listen, barbed people wire. aren't paying me to go do speeches on, on barbed, barbed wire, wire. Barbed wire fence. I was walking through the woods. There's just barbed wire fence. No, I say barbed wire for sure. I don't know. Bob I got I got three hundred B-O-B, baby podcast B-O-B. episodes. I can go back and figure out. B O B B O B B O B. Yep. Yep. All right. Best hunting podcast I found from Curtis Low fifty seven. <laughs> Cash a man and give my money <laughs> to a man. All right, I got. Uh, I just got into podcasts about a year ago and have been listening to several different uh, hunting ones. My brother told me about you guys back in November and have been listening ever since. Keep up the good work. I wonder if his name's actually Curtis Lowe or if that's a that's a nod that song. If you know that song, me and you would get along fantastic. So, anyways, next up. All right, so this Last is one. This is from DG Strap. Five stars. Extremely valuable content. 
have only listened since mid-October, have listened to over a half or or <laughs> have listened to over half and most episodes multiple times. Season just went out here in Georgia with no luck, but cannot wait to apply these tactics next season. Go dogs. Hey, congratulations on the national championship. I'm an Alabama fan, but I can congratulate you guys. Uh, the first person I texted after the national championship was uh, Jordan, Jordan Barnes. <laughs> huge, dude, huge, dude, huge, huge, huge Georgia fan. And uh, finally yeah, got there. Yeah, I was like, man, congratulations, guys. I know they're all fired up. So. Hey, and, you know, Stetson <clears throat> Bennett, he's from the same place that Glenn Solomon's from. Is he? Yeah. Huh. As far as I know, I'm, I'm almost sure it was the same town. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Cool, so, cool, cool. So I was, yeah, I was, I was happy for, for old boy. Yeah, shoot, why not, dude? Well, stats a bit. I'll be Alabama engineer next year. We, we, we just broke that <laughs> back and forth. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, again, I like watching football, but I've literally I've watched two Alabama games like all the way through this whole season. It was with the Iron Bowl and the national championship game. I didn't even I didn't even watch the freaking the first playoff you, game. You I was in two Iowa. bad games to watch for Bama. This <clears throat> was whatever. So anyway, but uh dude, I'm, I'm hunting, dude. I can't watch football when you're in the woods. Jeez, they're right. always they're always playing during freaking primetime hunting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I only catch night games these days. If I'm in town. If I'm traveling, I don't watch anything if I'm out of town. But anyways, so awesome. Well, anything else, dude? That's all she wrote. And, and she's about to and she's gonna tag out this week. You can kill one Thursday, gonna kill one Friday, gonna kill one Saturday. <laughs> I guess that's possible. It is possible. What do you mean, dude? Hey, I got three bullets. Uh, I got three bullets, one for each of you. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I only have three bullets left, so we gotta talk to Hornady. Good old ammo shortage, baby. No, this is that's that's all you, bro. You should have bought more when you could have. Yeah, or really or have. you should have got you a little bougie gun like me. You talking crap? And I got no problem getting ammo. Oh my gosh! For any of them, three hundred. Well, PRC, actually, no, six that's not true. I got three of the Hornady bullets left. Mm-hmm. I've got five Winchester Deer Season XPs left. That's plenty. It's plenty. I mean, as long as I don't have to like reside in. You know, which I don't think I, I don't think it changed very much. I think I maybe had to move it a few clicks, but I don't think within a hundred yards, it's going to make a big enough difference for you. You're probably right. So probably right. There, there, I'll say this on, I'll say this real quick on a, there was a, uh, someone wrote an article. It was in one of these, it was like outdoor, outdoor life magazine or one of these hunting magazines. <clears throat> and they talked about that, ta- that, that topic of like, if you go from one brand to another brand or different bullet weight to different bullet weight in the same caliber, I think they use 308. Like, how is it big enough difference where you totally have to side in or is it still, you know, in a killing circle? And uh, they did, I think they did an aspect of like moose, for like moose hunting and stuff. And which, you know, that's huge, vital. But they said that with 308, they use a bunch of different um, ammunitions and stuff like that. Just had one zeroed and they had a bunch of different weights and did not make a single difference. Like everything was like a 12 inch circle. Mm-hmm. But for deer hunting, I, I don't, I can't imagine, dude, you picking up one within a hundred yards, you picking up one round or another round and it's going to be off more than four or five inches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But for a broadside target, you know. Yep. But hey, maybe don't try any weird shots with it. Or let me tell you this, or you'd be like me and buy your ammo when you should have bought your ammo. Yeah, that's a better idea. Hey, dude, when it's there, you better get it. Yep. I mean, I'm this off season. I'll probably I'll probably buy three or four boxes whenever I get a chance to. Well, Jacob's giving me. Uh, he says. More. I mean, you, you know, you like it. It ain't gonna go bad. You keep it in the shelf and everything. Keep it. You know. Don't. Oh yeah, dude. When I, I was growing up, I was shooting squirrels with twenty two shells from the eighties. I still got some. Yeah. Yeah. And they work fine. The box falls apart before Emma does. Yeah, it does actually. So, I mean, it really does. So, but uh, anyway, so yeah, yeah, put that out there. But yeah, awesome, cool. Well, hey, listen, oh, Mike Bike's not here. 
But guys, go have some fun, have some success this weekend, and best yet, y'all stay Southern. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.